What's up everybody, Genix Dividend Investor here. I think you'll find a lot of value in this video as I tell you which of my dividend stocks I've calculated are cheap right now. So if you appreciate content like this, then please hit the thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet, and click that bell notification. Okay, first a thank you goes out to all my upper tier Patreons who voted that I should do this video, as well as for choosing the thumbnail I used. Second, I wanted to say that if you're new to my channel, then welcome. And if you want to see all the dividend stocks in my Fidelity account, then watch a video I did a few months ago called my $2.6 million dividend portfolio, $90,000 of dividends per year. If you're a dividend investor, then you probably have lots of the same tickers as I do, since I own many dividend aristocrats and kings. And as I go through each of my tickers in this video, I'll categorize them as cheap, fairly priced, or expensive. Cheap means that I'd be happy to buy more at today's prices. Fair means I'm okay to DCA in a bit more, but I wouldn't go crazy and expensive means that I wouldn't buy any more at this time. Now if your horizon is decades, then dollar cost averaging into quality companies at almost any price can work out, though it's important to recognize that you're hurting your return potential if you invest when things are expensive. I personally like to invest when my stocks are cheap, which I calculate by doing discounted cash flows, aka DCFs. DCFs are just a way to estimate what a stock is worth today, based on how much you think it'll cash flow in the future. Jimmy on Learn to Invest has some nice tutorial videos on how to calculate DCFs that I recommend you watch. Speaking of DCFs, there's a great quote that goes, Stocks are simple. All you do is buy shares in a great business for less than the business is intrinsically worth, with management of the highest integrity and ability. Then you own those shares forever. I think Buffett or some other financial person said that, and to me it really summarizes how you win. And at the end of this video, I'll explain how a stock's price gravitates towards its intrinsic value, which, like that quote, is an important investing concept to understand, so I recommend you watch this entire video. Okay, I'll be starting with the smallest position in my dividend portfolio first, which is Pfizer, and then going towards my largest. I have 26 stocks, so I'll be moving quickly. Pfizer, ticker PFE, is a pharmaceuticals healthcare company that I calculate as cheap, and I'll elaborate on what cheap means in a moment. Pfizer was trading at 51.72 when I made this video, and my one-year target price estimate for him is 60 bucks, which means that I feel that it's currently about 16% underpriced relative to where I think it'll be a year from now. And then the next column is the median price that a bunch of professional financial analysts estimate that Pfizer will be valued at in a year's time, which in this case is 52.65, which is only 1.8% higher than it is today. Thus, I'm more bullish than analysts are. Odds are the analysts are a heck of a lot smarter than I am, so if you had to bet on one of us being correct, you should probably go with them. An X factor for Pfizer is how much their vaccine will continue to move the needle for them. If the pandemic keeps persisting and more people around the world turn to Pfizer, then they'll probably do better than analysts estimate. Now I normally ignore most macro environmental things when I value companies, but the pandemic is black swan enough that I think you gotta consider it. Anyways, next is Pfizer's current dividend yield at 3.09%, then its payout ratio at 24%, its 5-year dividend CAGR at 5.7%, and finally its consecutive number of years of dividend increases at 12. Not bad. Now back to why I called it cheap. I came up with rules saying that if my estimated target price is 10% or more than today's price, then I'd call it cheap. I also highlight both the cheap column and the delta column in green. But you can always use your own rules for things. Like, you might decide that cheap means 20% or whatever under intrinsic value, which is fine. That's the beauty of investing, you get to make all the decisions. If my estimated target price is within a range between 5% less and up to 10% more than it is today, then I call it a fair price and I highlight it in yellow. And finally, if my estimated target price is 5% or lower than it is today, then I call it expensive and highlight it in red. My goal is to avoid buying shares when something is expensive, and buy more the cheaper something gets, assuming I have the cash to invest. 
I'm fine nibbling on something that I expect will trend sideways for a while, because my plan is to hold forever and get paid dividends as time goes on. Also, intrinsic values change as we move forward and more information comes out, or if you decide to use different numbers in your estimate. Okay, next up is Travelers, ticker TRV, an insurance financials company I'm long in, and which I feel is fairly priced. In this case, my one-year target price is about the same as today's price, so that basically means that I think the stock should trade sideways for a while. Of course, the markets are irrational, so anything could happen. You can see that analysts are a bit bearish on Travelers, as they have an estimated price that is down 3% from where it is today. Travelers is at a low 2% yield, a nice 26% payout ratio, an okay 5.3% dividend CAGR, and a decent 17 consecutive years of dividend increases. Next up is Starbucks, ticker SBUX, a favorite coffee place of mine, and which I calculate is fairly priced. So I see the stock basically going sideways and a tad down. Like Travelers, we see that analysts are a bit bearish with Starbucks and have them down almost 4% a year from today. Starbucks is at a low 2.08% yield, a 68% payout ratio, an awesome 13.8% dividend CAGR and a decent 12 consecutive years of dividend increases. Next I have Home Depot, ticker HD, a home improvement consumer discretionary company that I calculate is fairly priced. I see Home Depot worth a few percentage more than it is today, whereas analysts are more bullish putting it at almost 11% up a year out. Home Depot has a low 2.37% yield, a nice 46% payout ratio, an amazing 16.4% dividend CAGR and a decent 13 consecutive years of dividend increases. Next, I have Leggett & Platt, ticker LEG, a home furnishings consumer discretionary company that I calculate is fairly priced. Leggett is facing some tough headwinds as the economy softens. I see Leggett being valued about where it is now a year out, and analysts have a similar view. Legg has a high 5% yield, a 65% payout ratio, a mediocre 4.2% dividend CAGR, and an awesome 28 consecutive years of dividend increases. Next, I have Caterpillar, ticker CAT, a construction machinery and heavy trucks industrials company that I calculate is fairly priced. I have CAT worth about 10% more than it is today, which is slightly more bullish than analysts who have it 6% higher. CAT has a low 2.1% yield, a great 36% payout ratio, a good 8.3% dividend CAGR, and an awesome 29 consecutive years of dividend increases. Next, I have Colgate Palmolive, ticker CL, a household products consumer staples company that I calculate is expensive right now. I have CL worth about 16% less than it is today, which is way more bearish than analysts who have it 4% higher. CL has a low 2.42% yield, a 62% payout ratio, a low 3.2% dividend CAGR, and an incredible 59 consecutive years of dividend increases. Okay, my 8th smallest position of 26 stocks is Goldman Sachs, ticker GS, an investment banking financials company that I calculate is cheap right now. Of course, if we head deeper into an economic storm, financials can get on even shakier grounds. I have GS worth about 18% higher than it is today, which is more bullish than analysts who have it 8% higher a year out. GS has a low 2.78% yield, a great 23% payout ratio, an awesome 25% dividend CAGR, and an okay 11 consecutive years of dividend increases. Next, I have Kimberly Clark, ticker KMB, a household products consumer staples company that I estimate is expensive right now. I calculate that in a year, KMB will be worth about 15% less than it is today, which is more bearish than analysts who have it about 7% lower a year out. KMB is an okay 3.41% yield, a decently high 74% payout ratio, a low 3.6% dividend CAGR, and an astounding 50 consecutive years of dividend increases. Moving on, I have Southern Company, ticker SO, a utility company that I calculate is expensive right now. I estimate that Southern's one-year intrinsic value is about 12% under its current price. 
However, analysts are more bullish and they see Southern going flat for a year. Southern has a good 3.98% yield, a decent 72% payout ratio, a low 3.3% dividend CAGR, and a nice 21 consecutive years of dividend increases. I really like Southern and it's one of my favorite utilities, but I think it's a bit expensive right now. My next largest position is in my favorite dividend ETF, and that's SCHD. I'm generally fine just always dollar cost averaging into ETFs. I calculate that in a year SCHD will be worth about 5% more than it is today, which is less bullish than analysts who have it at almost 16% higher. I hope they're right. SCHD has an okay 3.37% yield, an amazing 13.74% dividend CAGR, and an okay 10 consecutive years of dividend increases. Okay, next up is Coca-Cola, ticker KO, one of my favorite consumer stable stocks that I calculate is expensive right now. I estimate that Coke's one-year intrinsic value is about 13% under its current price, but analysts are way more bullish than they see Coke going up almost 5% in 12 months. Coke has a low 2.79% yield, a 70% payout ratio, a low 3.5% dividend CAGR, and a spectacular 60 consecutive years of dividend increases. Amazing. Okay, now we are halfway done, and please leave me a comment if you made it to this point, as I'd like to know who my best subscribers are. My next stock is British American Tobacco, ticker BTI, the only international stock I own, and I calculate that it's on sale. I estimate the BTI's one-year intrinsic value is almost 21% higher than it is today, and analysts are also bullish as they see BTI up around 14% in 12 months. Sin stocks obviously have a slew of risks to be aware of. BTI has a great 6.52% yield, a 75% payout ratio, a low 3.4% dividend CAGR, and I didn't list the number of consecutive years of dividend increases due to the currency issues and the different answers therein. Next up is Duke Energy, ticker DUK, another utility stock that I like and that I calculate is expensive right now. I estimate that Duke's one-year intrinsic value is about 5% lower than its current price, but analysts are more bullish and they see Duke basically trading sideways over the next 12 months. Duke has a nice 4.01% yield, a 77% payout ratio, a low 2.7% dividend CAGR, and a good 18 consecutive years of dividend increases. Next up is Chevron, ticker CVX, one of my favorite energy stocks that I calculate is cheap right now. Oil is very hard to predict, and I feel like this bull cycle we're in will continue for a while, but hey, we just got fusion working, so no doubt in a quick 30 years we'll be powering our garage doors with sun in a box. Regardless, I'd be fine to drip into my oil positions given the risks, but I wouldn't be doing large lump sums because my cojones aren't that big. I estimate that CVX one-year intrinsic value is about 16% above its current price, and analysts are also bullish as they see Chevron going up around 14% in 12 months. CVX has a relatively low 3.38% yield, a 33% payout ratio, a 5.6% dividend CAGR, and a great 35 consecutive years of dividend increases. Next up is McDonald's, ticker MCD, and if you don't know what they are, then congrats for waking up out of cryogenic sleep. Alas, I don't feel that they're cheap right now. I estimate that McDonald's one-year intrinsic value is almost 34% below its current price, but analysts think I'm an idiot as they see McDonald's creeping up another 4% from here. One awesome thing about McDonald's is that they tend to do well in all economic climates, so the analysts are probably right. I hope they're right as I love McDonald's, but I personally wouldn't be buying more right now. At least not more of the stock, I'd totally go get a cheeseburger meal. McDonald's has a low 2.23% yield, a 57% payout ratio, a good 8.1% dividend CAGR, and an awesome 45 consecutive years of dividend increases. Okay, up next in my portfolio is Procter & Gamble, ticker PG, another consumer staples household goods company that I calculate is expensive right now. I estimate the PG's one-year intrinsic value is about 30% lower than its current price, but analysts are more bullish and they see PG going sideways for the next year. PG has a low 2.42% yield, a 62% payout ratio, an OK 5.7% dividend CAGR, and an amazing 66 consecutive years of dividend increases. Nice. 
My 18th of 26 positions is another Sin stock in Philip Morris, and it's one of the few tobacco stocks that I calculate isn't cheap right now. I estimate that PM's one-year intrinsic value is about 12% lower than its current price, and analysts are a bit more bullish by estimating that it will only be down 2% in 12 months from now. PM has a nice 4.98% yield, an 85% payout ratio, which is normally considered too high in other industries, but I'm used to seeing bigger percentages in SIN stocks. PM has a low 3.7% dividend CAGR, and an OK 13 consecutive years of dividend increases. Next, at my 8th largest position is Pepsi, ticker PEP, a consumer staples beverage and snacks company that I calculate is expensive right now. I estimate that Pepsi's one-year intrinsic value is about 15% below its current price, but analysts are more bullish than they see Pepsi going sideways and ending up 1.3% 12 months from now. Pepsi has a low 2.51% yield, a 67% payout ratio, a good 7.4% dividend CAGR, and an incredible 50 consecutive years of dividend increases. My seventh largest position in my dividend portfolio is AbbVie, a pharmaceutical healthcare company that I calculate is fairly priced. AbbVie has some big risks with its powerhouse drug losing revenue to biosimilars, which are eating market share, so that's something to be aware of. I estimate that AbbVie's one-year intrinsic value is about 5% below its current price, and analysts basically agree as they estimate it should be down 3% a year. AbbVie has a decent 3.63% yield, a 42% payout ratio, an awesome 17.3% dividend CAGR, and an amazing 50 consecutive years of dividend increases, assuming you count their time with Abbott as I do. Okay, my sixth largest position is my favorite real estate company, Realty Income, ticker O, that I calculate is reasonably priced right now. I'm currently dripping my retirement dividends into O. I estimate that O's one-year intrinsic value is about the same as it is now, but analysts are more bullish as they have O going up 7% from here. O has a decent 4.62% yield, a low 3.9% dividend CAGR, and a great 25 consecutive years of dividend increases. Okay, now we're in my top five, and next up is everybody's favorite, and that's J&J, a healthcare company that I calculate is expensive right now. I estimate that J&J's one-year intrinsic value is about 6% below its current price, but analysts are more bullish, and they think that J&J will be almost 4% higher 12 months from now. J&J has a low 2.57% yield, a 44% payout ratio, a decent 6% dividend CAGR, and a mind-blowing 60 consecutive years of dividend increases. My fourth largest position is a SIN stock favorite, and that's Altria, ticker MO, a staples company that I calculate is cheap right now. I estimate that MO's one-year intrinsic value is about 28% above its current price, but analysts are less bullish and they estimate that MO will be around 4% higher 12 months from now. MO has a very high 8.05% yield, a 77% payout ratio, a good 7.9% dividend CAGR, and an amazing 50 consecutive years of dividend increases. I wouldn't advocate for owning SIN stocks unless you needed income now. Okay, moving into my third largest position in my portfolio, and it might be my favorite stock of all time, and that's Microsoft, ticker MSFT, a tech company that I calculate to be expensive. I estimate that Microsoft's one-year intrinsic value is about 18% below its current price, but analysts are more bullish and they estimate that Microsoft will be around 18% higher 12 months from now. Microsoft is an amazing dividend growth company, and it wouldn't surprise me if the market rewarded it with an ongoing higher price than its intrinsic value, but eventually intrinsic value wins. Of course, Microsoft could surprise to the upside on earnings and cash flow, and then its price would be justified due to a higher intrinsic value at that time. Microsoft has a very low 1.1% yield, a great 27% payout ratio, a good 9.8% dividend CAGR, and a decent 11 consecutive years of dividend increases. Microsoft was one of the first stocks I ever bought, and has provided me with a great growth over time. Okay, now at the number 2 position is another oil stock, which has had a great 2022, so it jumped up a bunch of spots in my portfolio, and that's ExxonMobil, a company that I calculate is still cheap right now. 
Yes, that's a bold statement given its near all-time highs. There's a lot of risk in where oil prices could go, but I'm remaining a cautious bull for now. I estimate that ExxonMobil's one-year intrinsic value is about 21% above its current price, and analysts are also bullish as they estimate Exxon will be about 15% higher 12 months from now. Exxon has a relatively low 3.52% yield, a 28% payout ratio, a low 3% dividend CAGR, and a great 38 consecutive years of dividend increases. Exxon managed to weather the oil war and the pandemic as one of the few companies that didn't cut their divvy and actually ended up increasing it, like Chevron. Kudos to those management teams. Okay, and the number one stock in my portfolio that I actually calculate is cheap right now is none other than Apple, an incredible technology stock. I estimate that Apple's one-year intrinsic value is about 16% above its current price, and analysts are even more bullish as they think that Apple will be almost 24% higher 12 months from now. Apple has a very low 0.65% yield, an awesome 15% payout ratio, a decent 8.2% dividend CAGR, and an okay 10 consecutive years of dividend increases. Sometimes people ask me why Apple is the largest position in my portfolio, and the answer is because it didn't start out that way, but because it had the most growth, it went up to that spot. Fortunately, I have enough dividend income to pay all my bills, even with having some low-yield stocks, so I get to enjoy long-term price appreciation. Okay, now let's talk about intrinsic values, which I feel is crucial for all serious investors to understand. I've shared this information in the past, but it's important enough that I recommend you re-watch it whenever I go over it. Here's a picture I made to show you how stock prices and intrinsic values usually work. I'll explain the pick in a moment, but it's important to understand that there are lots of ways to value a stock, and one of the good ones that you can usually use for dividend companies are discounted cash flows, aka DCFs. DCFs have some weaknesses, one of which is the fact that your results can vary dramatically depending on what input parameters you use, some of which can be subjective. So don't become overconfident in your estimates, and don't forget to look at relative valuations of competitors. And like anything with investing, using a variety of metrics and trends and data points usually gives you more insights than relying on just one. I.e. supplementing the DCF approach with other valuation approaches is often useful to develop a better understanding of the intrinsic value of a stock. And since the focus of DCF analysis is long-term growth, it's not an appropriate tool for evaluating short-term potential. Okay, it's important to understand that regardless of what a stock's actual intrinsic value is, the market often overprices it or underprices it, but in the long run the market gets it right as stock prices trend back to a company's actual intrinsic value. So I like to think of a stock's intrinsic value like its gravity or it's a magnet, as it's constantly pulling its stock price back to it. This was summed up in Benjamin Graham's famous saying, which was, in the short run the market is a voting machine, but in the long run it's a weighing machine. Voting represents how people are using their dollars to either buy or sell stock, which is why a stock's price is often a popularity contest in the short run. However, in the long run, the stock price trends towards its intrinsic value, which is analogous to saying that market forces slowly, but properly, price the stock, i.e. its real value is properly weighed and thus priced by the market. In the short term, the gravity of intrinsic value can lose out to more powerful forces like news headlines and world events and Reddit warriors. The market often overreacts to good news or bad news, which value investors can then capitalize on. What I mean is that people often buy or sell based on emotion rather than on business fundamentals, which is why stock prices can do seemingly crazy things in the short term. But in the long term, gravity and physics and reality wins, and stock prices trend towards actual intrinsic values, which are based on business fundamentals. That concept is super critical to understand if you want to be a good investor. It helps explain why certain things can be overpriced or underpriced for years as stocks are popular or unpopular for years. But eventually fundamentals win. If good growth comes, eventually the stock will respond. It can take a long time for people to forget about hated stocks or beloved stocks, but eventually they do if the company performs or doesn't perform. That's why you can see a crappy stock shoot up for a while, or a solid company trade in the dirt for a while. Your goal is to be able to identify when quality companies are cheap, and then buy if it makes sense to you, or perhaps sell if things are too expensive. It all depends on you. 
Another gravity example I like is that dividend income is like the fuel or the thrust of your personal rocket, a rocket which is trying to break free from the gravity of your expenses. Once you have enough fuel and thrust, aka dividend income, to break free from the gravitational forces of your expenses, then you blast away from your old life on Earth and you can fly away faster and faster into the space with the freedom of your time. Okay, now back to the picture. The blue line is the intrinsic value, i.e. my target price, i.e. it's a magnet or it's gravity which is trying to pull the black line, which is stock prices, towards it. In this example you can see an intrinsic value estimation that goes up and down as time goes on, and is slowly trending up like most quality companies tend to do over long periods of time. The black line, aka a stock's price, tends to fluctuate wildly based on short-term news and headlines. The ideal time to buy a stock is when it's underpriced, which is represented as areas of red where the stock price fluctuates under its intrinsic value price. Now if your strategy is to buy and hold for generations, then buying at any stock price can work out. It's just that your returns will be less than if you buy when something is on sale, and it can take materially longer to get a good return if you just invest whenever. Similarly, the best time to sell is when it's overpriced, which is any period on this graph along the areas of green, because those are all times when the stock price is higher than the intrinsic value. This example chart could represent 20 years or whatever of stock prices, so you need to understand that something could be underpriced for years or overpriced for years, but stocks eventually tend to drive towards their real intrinsic values, which you can calculate with discounted cash flow calculations and evaluate using other approaches, like P.E. trends. A low P.E. ratio doesn't automatically mean a stock is undervalued, and a high P.E. ratio doesn't necessarily mean a company is overvalued, but a 15 P.E. is often a reasonable valuation for most, but not all, companies. So as earnings go up, then stock prices tend to go up, broadly speaking. That's part of why I like stock buybacks. As shares outstanding get reduced, all remaining shareholders own more of the company. Like if there are 100 shares outstanding and I own 5 shares, then I own 5% of the company. If the company reduces the shares outstanding by 10 shares, aka 10%, then there are 90 shares outstanding. Since I still own 5 shares of it, I now own 5.55% of the company. See, as they retire shares, each of your shares effectively owns a bigger portion of the company, so each share is more valuable. And as you retire shares, then earnings per share goes up. Remember, earnings per share, or EPS, is an important financial measure which indicates the profitability of a company. It's calculated by dividing the company's net income by its total number of outstanding shares. So if net income stays the same, but shares outstanding goes down, then EPS goes up. As EPS, aka earnings, goes up, then stock prices get pulled by that gravitational force and usually also trend up. Companies like Apple and Microsoft do some of the largest stock buybacks every year, which is why their stock gets extra wind at their back trying to push them up. Anyways, a conclusion you should draw from this picture is that the difference between a stock's current price and its estimated intrinsic value becomes your investing opportunity, assuming you believe the intrinsic value is a good estimation. And those who do invest like this are known as value investors, since they are transacting based on some form of fundamental business analysis which attempts to calculate a stock's intrinsic or book value. Book value and intrinsic value are two ways to measure the value of a company, and there are a number of differences between them, but basically book value is a measure of now, and intrinsic value leverages forecasted estimates of the future. And remember, this is for buy and hold investors. Day traders out there wouldn't find this useful, but I really doubt they're watching my channel. So, this also means that when I share stocks, which I feel are undervalued, it means I think it'll just be a matter of time until they revert back to their proper intrinsic value trend lines, though I have no real expectations of price movement in the short term. Okay, I hope you enjoyed all that, and now I'd like to shout out my newest Patreon aristocrats who have recently signed up to support me. So thank yous go out to Zengi, Peter K, JLK, and Ricky Bobby. I'd also like to shout out the Beagle who signed up for an entire year, so they get a 10% discount. 
Aristocrats gain access to my dividend portfolio tracker spreadsheet, which I use in lots of my videos, and they get special access to various private channels on my Discord, including one which lets you watch my videos before I release them publicly on YouTube, as well as to see vote on which thumbnails I should use, and of course you get more direct access to me. Finally, I urge everyone to join my free dividend Discord chat server, which has thousands of dividend investors on it from around the world. Regardless of what you do, please hit the thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet, and click that bell notification. Thanks for watching, stay positive, and I'll talk to you again real soon. I am not a financial advisor, and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. I am only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments.